Welcome into the Roadie on the Horn podcast. This is episode 12. Uh, big podcast here, just getting ourselves prepared for the NFL draft, which is set to go set place tomorrow, April 23rd. At time of recording right now is April 22nd, so Donnie and I definitely looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, we've got some NFL news to uh, get to before the draft in preparation for that. But uh, Donnie, how are you doing? I'm well, you know, just hanging out. Um, not a whole lot has happened in the last couple of days for me. Kind of just been hanging out. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I mean, I'm obviously very excited for the draft tomorrow. Actually get some some tangible like sports news and like a big event to go on for all of us to follow. So um, obviously I follow the draft very closely. That's one of the sports events that I follow uh, and look forward to. So um, super excited for that. Just kind of finaling up some of my rankings. I know I can put that on our uh, Ruddy on the Horn Twitter account and Instagram pages. So uh, if you guys want to check out where I have some of the top guys in this class and uh, talk about some prospect rankings, I always like looking forward to that and um, talking about where other people have guys ranked. But uh, before we get in the draft, actually, there was a little bit of NFL news, uh, not prospect related. Uh, just yesterday, Rob Gronkowski announced he would come out of retirement and be traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So obviously teaming up with Tom Brady, he said that he only wanted to play for one quarterback. So he goes to Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay sends New England a fourth and seventh round pick. So uh, New England gets some draft compensation for a player they weren't even expected to have this year, and Tampa Bay gets a tight end for uh, Tom Brady. So, Donnie, what did you think about that move? Uh, I think it's like a no-brainer for both teams, obviously. Um, If he's going to play for Tampa, you're getting an all-pro tight end, one of the best tight ends we've seen in a long, long time. Uh, Him and Brady, obviously very, very close, uh, good friends. And the chemistry will just be, it'll be right there as soon as they get back on the field. Um, in terms of what the Patriots are doing, like you said, a player they didn't really expect to have at all. I think we were all pretty much sure that he was done. And then, you know, he decides, Tom decides to move on. And Tampa sounds like a good spot for him, uh, for Gronk, because obviously I think he has at least a house in Florida. I don't know if he lives there full time. Uh I think the only interesting part here is really what happens to O.J. Howard as a casualty of this deal, and if they feel, I don't know how Tampa's going to feel about that, if they have any real like rush to move him, and if they're going to end up trading him for a lot less than what he's worth. What do you think on that? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think O.J. Howard has a lot of talent, it's just Tampa Bay hasn't really found out a way to use him. He drafted in 2017, he's still just 25 years old, but um, I feel like he's just kind of an interesting fit, but he, he prevents a lot of opportunity after the catch, um, not as much as a blocker. So it's kind of been a weird fit in Tampa. But I think if another team looks to go after him, I think it would be a good add. I think OJ Howard still has a lot of talent. So um, I guess we'll see how that ends up playing out. But um, there were trade talks between Tampa Bay and Washington that almost sent Howard for Trent Williams, but um, that seems to have kind of fallen through a little bit. That was kind of recent news to come out. So um I think Tampa Bay is getting, you know, an interesting ad. Obviously, you want a player that meshes well with your quarterback, so I think Gronk does that about as good as anybody. And then when you have Godwin and Evans on the outside, and I still think Ronald Jones is a pretty solid back um, that they can get the ball to. So Tampa Bay just kind of getting their their skill players uh, a little bit in set. I think they need to go offensive tackle in this class. Obviously, they pick 14, so um, expecting a lot of offensive tackles to go early in this draft, so we'll see where where Tampa ends up. I, w- I would be a little bit surprised to see them trade up to get their tackle. I think they'll just pick at 14, but um, obviously we'll see on that. So, But 
trade purposes, I think it, definitely it's a good move for New England. You're just getting a free fourth and seventh round pick for a guy who was going to retire and then Tampa Bay getting getting Gronk. So um, kind of an interesting move. I, I think everybody kind of had like a hunch that Gronk may not be done totally when he retired. So uh, interesting to see him back. Obviously a good character for the NFL. So should be interesting to follow with Tampa. Yeah, I think, uh, as you said, everybody was pretty much sure he'd come back. I mean, he's only 30, I think. He turns 31 uh, next month, I believe. So it's like he's still got a lot of gas in the tank, and I think taking a year, uh, a year and change off to really get his body back together, because I do know he he dealt with a lot of injuries. Um, it could be scary if he can get back into football shape quickly, and you know, um, just figure everything out there. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a wild little story that I don't think anybody was really expecting. So it, it's always nice to have extra news to talk about and just think about because everything changes the landscape of. Uh, just what's going on in the league, especially with the draft. This this means there will be uh, another piece in O.J. Howard potentially available at the draft, and we'll see how that one ends up. Yeah, no doubt. So we can hop back into a little bit of draft talk. That was kind of one of the more uh, trades that has already happened. We expect a lot more trades to kind of come down uh, here, obviously, in the next few days with teams moving for draft picks. But uh, I first want to start top of the draft. I just want to highlight a few players. Uh, in this draft that I'm a little bit higher on or have a little bit lower on my board considering um, some of the other mock drafts and big boards that I've looked at. I feel like with this draft, there's been a lot of like kind of consensus boards. Like I feel like I don't see a lot of variance in like the top part of the draft and with first rounders from the media perspective. Obviously, I think NFL teams are going to see this way differently. And then um, we're going to see some guys go in the first round that people are like, I had no idea this guy was even supposed to go in the first round. But so I just want to start top of the draft. Obviously, Joe Burrow going first overall. This is a no-brainer. Everybody expects this to happen. Bengals aren't going to move their pick. They need a quarterback. But I feel like I have a little bit of caution. I know in our last podcast, I talked a little bit about my concerns with Burrow, just that he only really put it together for one year at LSU in 2019. 2018 was just kind of like average production and everything around him wasn't as good. And then I feel like a part of the Joe Burrow analysis that is getting missed a little bit is the fact that he's going to the Cincinnati Bengals. So I would even argue that the situation that Burrow had at LSU could even be better than what he has with the Bengals. They're getting a second-year head coach, which is better than, obviously, a first-year head coach, and an offensive mind with Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. But actually, I looked it up yesterday just for my own curiosity. The Bengals have been an organization since 1968, so 53 seasons they played in the NFL. Donnie, I want you to guess how many times they've won a playoff game in 53 seasons. That's tough. I'm going to go with I'll go with 7. I think 7's a good number cuz they have been a playoff team quite a few times. Yeah, 7's a good guess. They've played 19 career, they've played 19 postseason games and they've only won 5. The, the Bengals have only won 5 playoff games in 53 seasons and they haven't won a playoff game overall since 1990. I knew that. So, I definitely knew that. I did know they had a couple runs. Uh, I know they made the Super Bowl in the 80s multiple times, I think. But I did know they've had such such mediocre, just everything together has been mediocre since the early 90s for them. So that's like shocking almost. I know. I was looking that up. I was just curious. So I was kind of like comparing them with the Dolphins, just kind of like two mediocre franchises that are looking for quarterbacks just to see like organizationally put maybe which team would be a little bit, a little bit better landing spot. So I really don't think the Bengals are a very good organization looking at this. I mean, they had, as you mentioned, they have made two Super Bowl appearances, but both were in their 80s. Their all-time leading passer is Ken Anderson. So I don't know. I just looking at an organizational perspective, really, than just even like what the team that Burrow directly is going to go to, I was kind of curious on that. So I really don't view the Bengals as a very good organization. I don't think that 
Joe Burrow is some generational quarterback, like say Trevor Lawrence's next year, or even Justin Fields for that matter, um, is quite to that level. So I think and we talked about this a little bit last time. If Tua was healthy, I think Tua would be the top pick in this draft. I think people's analysis of Tua would be a little bit better, pretty much for the reason that I pointed out that while Burrow was so dominant in 2019, I really just kind of have a little bit holding me back with Burrow just because we haven't really seen it for multiple seasons. It's not like he was a three-year starter. He was only a two-year starter, had to transfer, didn't beat out Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State, which made him transfer away. So I still like Burrow a lot. I still think he's worthy of this top pick, but I have a lot of worry about how much success he's going to have in the NFL going to the Bengals just because that organization is just not one of the better uh, in football, and especially when you're in a division with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily think Joe Burrow is going to come in and just start lining it up like, say, Kyler Murray will with Arizona. I think Arizona is a much better situation. I think Cliff Kingsbury is a better head coach. Arizona's had more success as an organization than the Bengals have, even though they haven't won a Super Bowl either. But um, I was just kind of interested in looking up the Bengals specifically with how Burrow will fit there. And I just have a little bit of caution and worry about how well he's going to do there. Well, I think it's a fair assessment, too, considering, if you remember correctly, uh, 2003, I believe, Carson Palmer was taken number one overall. Um, supposed to be the Bengals' uh, savior, maybe, is the, the correct word there. I don't know necessarily. Uh, obviously, Carson Palmer came into the league after just dominating at USC. He was a very, very talented quarterback. And then what did Carson Palmer end up doing? Not a whole lot. Good quarterback, uh, not necessarily great very mediocre at times uh inconsistencies ruined his career basically and then injury concerns didn't help either but it's it's a similar you have to think about how they've developed quarterbacks in the past obviously Andy Dalton really didn't work out too and that's that's the last what 15 years of their franchise is going with quarterbacks and Andy Dalton uh Carson Palmer I think there was there was a Ryan Fitzpatrick year in there um so yeah it's like we've seen them not have the very large inability to develop a quarterback to their fullest potential. Because I think people thought Carson Palmer coming to the draft was like potential Hall of Fame talent. Like he, he was surefire number one, uh, had just had a dominant career, uh, which is different than what Burrow had. Because as you said, Burrow is not nearly as good last year. I think he like quadrupled his touchdown rate. Um but yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to look at, especially with the Bengals, because I think the Bengals are one of the more um, inept of the franchises in the league, for sure. And uh, relying on them to develop a quarterback is never really a good idea. And I think Burrow does need some, he needs time and needs to develop a little bit. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I just think some organizations, they're just better at developing certain positions than others. I mean, if a good example that I think of with the Bears is that when they took Mitch Trubisky, it was just kind of like the Bears have never had that kind of like generational franchise quarterback, kind of like I, I see with the with the Bengals, but where the Bears are good, it's it's developing linebackers and defensive linemen. So some organizations are just better at developing certain positions because that's where they value more. I don't think the Bengals are great at developing quarterbacks. Palmer is in a situation. I think that's a good thing that you brought up. He also won the Heisman at uh, USC. So um, a little bit of similarity there. Obviously, I still think Joe Burrow's good. I mean, how he played last year, you really can't ignore it. I mean, he was so dominant and showed so much um, great ability with his with his accuracy. That's something that 
I really uh, am impressed with with Burrow because that's such a hard thing to teach is accuracy. And it was really to all levels of field pretty much every time I've looked at like accuracy charts or um, data from Pro Football Focus, Burrow is always at the top. So I still like Burrow a lot, but I'm just kind of cautious um, that I don't think this guy's going to come in and just absolutely start lining up. Um, and <laughs> going to the Bengals, it's a tough landing spot. Obviously, Burrow's from Ohio, so a little bit of familiarity there, but um, I just feel like with this draft, obviously it's easy to look at a guy going number one and be like, oh yeah, he's a good player, but I think there is a little bit missing with this um, situation just because the Bengals as an organization aren't you know, necessarily the greatest, especially at developing quarterbacks, so just wanted to touch on that, and then one other prospect, also from LSU that I know I talked about on our last podcast that I'm a little bit lower on than the general consensus that I've looked at would be Caleb on chase on. I think there's a lot of talk of him going in the, in the first round. And a lot of people have him as the second best edge rusher right after chase young. I actually have him as the sixth best edge rusher on my board. Personally, I have a lot of those big 10 edge rushers higher than chase on such as AJ Epinesa, Yatur Gross, Mato, Zach Bond, Josh Ushay. And I also have Curtis Weezer from Boise state. I really like all of their production a lot more than chase on chase on pretty much only started last year for LSU as he tore his ACL in 2018. And I'm not denying his ability as well. Like Burrow, there's a lot to like with chase on, but I just feel like every year when you look back at, at past drafts, there's always guys that you're like, wow, how did that guy end up being a first round pick? I feel like I have a little bit of that feeling with chase on as well. So just wanted to highlight those two players that I'm a little bit lower on. Donnie, is there anybody that stands out for you that uh, you want to bring up that maybe goes in the first round or you've seen other people rank highly that you personally are not as high on? Again, I think the the need for offensive linemen, specifically tackles uh, in this draft, is going to drive up some people's draft boards a, a little bit. Some players will will get much higher. Um, I mean, I mean not, not necessarily picked in the like mid-first round, obviously, because I think there are so some very, very highly skilled players that will drop a little bit. But I have a hard time rationalizing taking offensive linemen that just randomly jump up a board at near the end of the, the scouting process. And it's like guys like obviously Josh Jones seems to be a little bit different of the whole like of that mentality. I think people have been high on him for a while. I know he's like as big as PFF gets in terms of rating a prospect. I think he's like he's one of their favorite if not their favorite tackles in this draft um but i'm just curious to see how guys like austin jackson do end up go where they end up going um it, it's always it's it's always had me curious to see just how players drive up certain boards where the majority of teams have austin jackson as like i would assume a mid to late second rounder maybe a high second rounder at that and I've seen some people mock him as high as like the the mid ish twenties, and I just feel like there's so many teams, especially in the twenties, that pick in that little range that have more holes than that, to where you don't really have to force yourself to get an offensive tackle. Uh, I've seen him go anywhere from like twenty to Jacksonville to twenty six to the Dolphins, depending on who's there. And it's like. I think the Dolphins have so many holes that picking best player available at that point would be so much more valuable to them than reaching for a guy who, uh, if everybody and their mother says that he needs time, he's going to have to have a lot of seasoning. He's got to figure things out. Um, but yeah, I just there's a lot of guys that I feel like are so inconsistently ranked by some of the, the guys that are professionals that get paid to do this. And it leaves me worried seeing if they can do it. So can NFL teams. And obviously I've seen the giants make some off the board picks recently. Um, 
So it, it's got me, I'm very curious to see where some of the tackles land. I think this is the most interesting tackle draft we've had in a long time in terms of the high-end guys. Because there's, there's no real consensus on who's going to go where. I've seen anybody from Wills to Wirfs, and I've even seen some other names pop on the board as, as one of the top uh, offensive linemen in this draft. And it's really got me maybe not nervous because I don't think the Giants will do anything that rash. But I think there could be some, some super risers out of nowhere that people really weren't talking about that end up getting picked a lot higher than they should go. How do you feel about the tackle class? Yeah, definitely. I think there's been a lot of buzz about the tackles uh, that I've read on Twitter. It seems like there's going to be a lot of them, maybe even seven or eight that go in the first round. It just seems like there's a really high demand since it's such a strong class, especially at the top. I feel like the top four get a lot of uh, a lot of buzz and a lot of talk about with Thomas Wirfs, Wills, and Becton. But um, you mentioned Josh Jones. I actually just moved Josh Jones. I had a Mackay Becton yesterday. Big reason for that. It seems like Becton's falling a little bit. I know he had an issue with uh, a potential failed drug test. So especially this year when you get any kind of like negative news that comes out right before the draft. I feel like that could impact his slot at least a little bit. But plus with Mekhi Becton, I like his ability, obviously. He's 6'7", 364, and ran a 5'140". So when you look at that on its own, you can understand why a team would want to take a chance on him. But I feel like those kinds of players, I always have so much worry about that maybe you're overvaluing his size a little bit. Like, is he really that great of a pass rusher? I mean, he's a bully in the run game. I get that a lot, but... With tackles, for me personally, I really, really value, say, um, pass block footwork, pass block hand usage. I think that's something that's really important. And a lot of times when you see tackles go in the first round and everybody just highlights their size, their size, I feel like those players can end up being a bust because you overvalue that rather than his actual ability to play football. So I still have Mekhi Becton as the fifth best tackle. I expect him to be a first-round pick still. Um, there's a lot of teams that need tackles. It seems like it's going to be a lot of tackles that we see. Talk on some other guys. You mentioned Austin Jackson, but a few other tackles that I could see going in the first round. Um, tackles that I have ranked seven through nine on my personal board. I have Matt Pert from Connecticut. Um, I watched him a little bit yesterday. Very impressed with his ability. Ezra Cleveland from Boise State and Isaiah Wilson as well from Georgia. Those are two other guys that I could see going in the first round that um, maybe the general public hasn't heard as much about, but I think could definitely be guys that you hear pop up in round one just because it seems like teams, not only are they looking to take offensive tackle, but even trade up. There's been talk with the Miami Dolphins that they're trying to get not only their current pick at five, but get this third pick in the draft as well from Detroit because they're so interested in some of these tackles as well. Obviously, they have picks 18 and 26 and their own second rounder as well. So they have a little bit of draft capital to play with. I feel like maybe that's just a little bit of a smokescreen getting two top five picks. Obviously, that's a tall task, but um, it seems like there's just a lot of buzz about these tackles. There's going to be a lot of them that fly off the board. I think the my personal top three, Thomas, Wirfs, and Wills in that order, I think all of them are going to be top 10 picks, um, especially when you look at Cleveland at the 10th pick spot. I think that they're definitely going to look tackle. The Jets right at 11, they could be looking tackle. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of tackles fly off the board, especially early in this draft. So for that reason, I could see some value being had at some of the other positions. I think receiver could be another spot where teams trade up for. So um, then maybe you look for, say, some of these uh, cornerbacks or some of these edge rushers. Like where will they fall? Um, some teams are going to find some value in the back half of the first round. I think um, I really expect a lot of these tackles to fly off. So. That's just a little bit about some of those tackles. Again, uh, Matt Pert, Ezra Cleveland, Isaiah Wilson, those could be some of the names that maybe aren't as well-known uh, to the general public but could sneak into the uh, to the first round as well. Seems like a really, also, I just want to touch on that, seems like a really interesting DB class in general because I think um, you're, you're high on Delpit uh, if you listen to the last podcast. Uh, Rodeo goes into a very deep 
maybe not a deep dive, but he, he talks about his background and how he was looked at as one of the, the higher rated guys in this current draft. And then he had, uh, I think it was a high ankle sprain. I could be mistaken on that. I do believe you were talking about a high ankle sprain uh, that brought him down the board a little bit. But it looks like there's so many, especially safeties, so many good safeties that could end up maybe falling. I've seen people like Antoine Winfield Jr. drop um, and people's mocks to the late second, even the early third, which is interesting because I think um, people talk about his ball skills and, and how good of a tackler he, he is. And I think a guy like that, if you can get him in the late second round, early third round, it's surprising because seem, it seems like in prior drafts and just in general, teams have such a high tendency to go big on the safeties that have lesser lesser faults lesser flaws and i feel like people are really high on just his pure ability uh, i think he is a little bit smaller i do believe he's like five nine maybe five ten but that hasn't stopped some uh very talented players in the league from being great so uh on top of the the db or the cornerback and edge rushers uh, i think safeties are interesting too because i've seen a lot of people have five six even seven safeties in their top 90 uh, even top 60 a lot of guys do pop up so i think that's an interesting uh, point to look at too especially if teams start to go o tackle very very high and they start drafting guys like ezra cleveland in the top 20 25 yeah definitely i think safety is definitely an interesting position that you bring up when i've been looking at other boards i see a lot of winfield and xavier mckinney at the top of their boards you mentioned i'm big on grant delpit i have him as my uh, top safety. I have Isaiah Simmons as a safety as well, even though I know he's kind of like a hybrid linebacker. He's just an athlete, Isaiah Simmons. But um, after Isaiah Simmons, I've got Grant Delpit at the top. You mentioned I'm big on him. It's 2018. That's really where I think Grant Delpit is such a stud. Um, he's had 17 and a half tackles for loss. That's near the top in this class. So I love when safeties come down near the line of scrimmage and uh, are blitzing and active in the run game. And Delpit did that a lot in 2018. Didn't see it as much in 2019. Again, you mentioned he was hampered with an injury a little bit, but I still know what I've seen with Grant Delpit, and I know that ability is there. So he's my top safety. But um, after you're looking at a little bit more depth, there's some smaller school guys that are really, really good prospects. Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois, um, 13 career interceptions for him. Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan, 10 career interceptions for him. Both ran in the four fours uh, as well and have good size. So those are two smaller school guys that um, I feel like every year at the end of the first round, there's guys where people are like, huh, like who, who is that guy that guy picked? So maybe you see jeremy chin fly off the board from southern illinois and you're like wow what the heck happened there but both those guys i like a lot another safety um the last guy i have in that second tier of safeties for me is ashton davis from cal so um i know i've seen a lot of people be high on him as well he's got good ball skills so um it is a really good safety class i think it's kind of an undervalued safety class safeties a lot of times they fall in the draft i mean i know i think about about derwin james and malik hooker falling to the mid of middle half of the first round and both those guys are studs i mean who wouldn't want uh derwin james on their team right now so um, I think there's definitely value to be had. I think maybe Xavier McKinney is kind of that guy that could fall a little bit. A lot of talk about him with Dallas, but I mean, who really knows at this point, but glad you were able to bring up that safety class. There is definitely a lot of value there. And then just going on to the, some of the other DBs, another name of a, of a cornerback that I've heard. Um, I, I listened to Dane Brugler of the athletic, his podcast. I've been reading his, uh, draft guide as well off the athletic. He said, Noah Igbenavini from Auburn is a guy that he really liked a lot and could be uh, sneaking into the back half of the first round. So, I mean, obviously we'll see how things play out, but uh, just wanted to throw out a few other names. I know it seems like every single year when I when I watch the job back half of the first round, there's always a few picks where I'm like, wow, how did that guy happen? So I just wanted to cover a few, uh, few of those guys there. Yeah, I think it's interesting just to look at. Um, again, nobody has the same draft board, and especially this year, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, 
I, I'm kind of curious to see just in terms of how the draft is laid out because obviously everything is digital this year and you know I, I feel like there may be some G- GMs that go to a tighter circle in terms of figuring out who uh, the best value picks are at certain spots we could see some more off the board picks depending on if there are guys that are really high up just a couple of people's boards um, you know it's like the Giants really strike me as a team that could just go off the board and take who they like because it seems like that's a that's a thing that they do. Their front office is very uh very different. They have different mindsets so, as we've seen last year with Daniel Jones. I don't think anybody really had Daniel Jones that high of a of a prospect, but you know the rumors came out and then boom, it happened. Um, but yeah, in this situation, I can't see there's gonna be any many if any teams that have their full scouting board just just on hand uh, to be able to discuss everything. I think it's just a, it's a different feel. It's a different situation. And having a smaller circle will end up benefiting teams in the long run, I think, uh, in terms of drafting. So I think that's an interesting aspect to look at is we could see some teams go completely off the board if they like a guy or two that other teams just really don't like. And there's only a couple scouts that, that are currently talking to uh, the upper management in the front office. We could see some some very strange picks um, that that seem normal to them, but strange to all of us. Uh, I think that's that's an interesting aspect of this draft to look at, especially with how everything's set up. I just think there's there's so much going on and how everything is. It's like it's gonna be like a Madden draft all over again, basically. Yeah, I think the unpredictability part is gonna be um, very much evident in uh, especially the first round. So um, other teams that we're looking to trade up that could add to that. I know we talked a little bit about Miami, but Atlanta was another team that I've been reading is looking to trade up. Maybe they want one of these tackles, or there's definitely a lot of rumors that they need an edge rusher or a cornerback. So um, just wanted to throw that in there. And then um, unpredictable element, uh, we talked about trading up for OTs, but wide receivers especially, definitely looking at um, at least CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy. I think those could be um, players that teams could be interested in trading up for. I know teams such as Philadelphia, Minnesota, Green Bay, they're um, more towards the middle of the back half of the first round. We'll see if they decide to trade up, especially if some of these OTs go. Maybe some of them stay available. But um, And then you look in the middle of the round, say, to the Raiders at 12, the Niners at 13, the Broncos at 15. Maybe they decide to move up if they want one of their specific guys there. So a lot of teams that need receivers, great wide receiver draft. So while this class has a lot of depth, you definitely have to look at the top tier guys. If they want a starter or a superstar caliber player, they're going to have to move up to get them. So um, we'll see if, if that ends up happening on draft night. I think it's interesting, too, to think about the teams that are in the top half of the first round, especially the top 10. Most of those teams can rationalize moving down very easily. Um, as we've said, the Lions, they have a lot of needs. Giants, they have a lot of needs. Even a team like Jacksonville, who has uh, kind of just, just a, a whole cluster of, of things going on there, we could see them very easily move down. Uh, get draft capital and then try to get back to where they were a couple of years ago because it's like I remember everybody talking about how Jacksonville's defense could be could be like the next Legion of Boom type defense like how effective they should have been defensively and how effective they were defensively um, and now obviously I think they only have three defensive starters from that 2017 uh, championship game which is wild because it's three years ago and that's a team that was primarily young uh, for the most part now those guys are gone and they haven't necessarily replaced them. Um, but yeah, if teams do want to trade up, I think this is the draft to trade up. I think there's been so many rumors about so many teams that could uh, very well look to move down. And, and obviously those teams could also move up. Um, but we have a lot of teams that can very well, very easily rationalize moving down in this draft. 
Yeah, no doubt. You mentioned the Jags. Obviously, they're looking to trade Leonard Fournette as well. So they've got quite some draft capital picking at picks 9 and pick 20. So uh, Jags could definitely be a team that makes some noise uh, on draft night. So that'll be interesting to look at. But, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to the draft. Just wanted to kind of um, provide some final thoughts as we head into it. I guess uh, as we look to wrap up things here, I'll throw out a few more names of guys that um, I've been reading about that could maybe sneak into the first round or be picked a little bit higher. Uh, one of those is Cole Komet, tight end from Notre Dame. I'm personally not as high on Cole Komet as some others. I have him as my third-ranked tight end uh, behind Bryson Hopkins and Adam Trotman. So um, we'll see how that goes, but I have been hearing a little bit about that. And then Logan Wilson, linebacker from Wyoming as well. So um, just want to throw out those two names of guys that uh, I've been hearing rise up. I like Logan Wilson a lot. I think he could be a target maybe for the Eagles as a team that needs a linebacker maybe in the second round. They've got picked uh, 53 overall there. So um just wanted to throw those two names out there as guys I've been reading about on Twitter. So, Donnie, do you have any uh, thoughts you wanted to throw in there before the draft tomorrow? No, I'm just excited that we actually have some news. Obviously, all the only thing they've been covering on TV for the last week plus has been football, NFL-related uh, news, mostly draft news. It's nice to actually have something live happening in front of our faces. Uh, you know, last week I talked about the WNBA draft. You know, great time uh, having something live uh, on TV is great, and especially in this situation, I can't see the NFL draft not being like the biggest thing talked about anywhere for the next couple of weeks. I'm interested to see how the analysis comes out because this is basically all people will be doing is analyzing picks and analyzing players for the next however many weeks, maybe months. So I, I think especially with how our, how this time is and how weird everything has been with coronavirus, um, having the NFL draft is kind of like a, a time of just – it's time to step back and step away from the whole political aspect and just have a good time with the NFL draft. I think this is your favorite time of the year uh, in terms of you know NFL news. I know you are just massive on scouting just about everybody. Um, and I'm excited to see your draft board whenever you do decide to re- release how you rank uh, your tier rankings. Uh, but yeah, it's just the closer we get to the draft, the more intrigued I am and the more interested I am. And I'm not as big of a draft guy as you by any means necessary, uh, but I'm finally, I've sat down and watched so much tape on so many random guys just to see, just just for something to do. And I think it has really enriched my ability to ha- have some sort of thought process on what's going to go on in the draft for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. I'll throw out my draft rankings on our uh, Ready on the Horn social media accounts. So, um Definitely excited for that. Yeah, you mentioned I, I put things into tiers. I just think that's kind of a better way to rank guys, um, especially once you get into the later rounds. Like, there's really not a whole lot separating prospects once you get into ranks like 20 to 40. So even if there's like 20 spots, they're really kind of similar prospects. So that's something that I uh, am really big on putting guys into tiers. So, um, yeah, definitely look for that on our social media accounts. But, yeah, it should be a good time to draft tomorrow. Um, definitely looking forward to it. Hopefully there's just some, like, absolute mayhem like I, I want i want to just like watch the draft tomorrow and just be like wow how did that end up happening you're so here for I, chaos I think we could end up getting it too yeah absolutely i'm, I'm just here for people to start rustling some feathers That's okay really it. one more question before Definitely we end up how many times do you think the draft will be messed up in the first round oh man if we start getting some pauses if we get like if we have to wait for dave gettleman because he doesn't know how to <laughs> text roger goodell what his draft pick is then like we got to wait like 30 minutes because he, he doesn't know how that works. I mean, I'm going to be a little rattled. But I, it seemed like the NFL, like, they, they I, I did see that on Twitter, actually. That's funny you bring that up, that they did, like, a mock 
like draft. They wanted to just like test out the technology, obviously, earlier this week. And like the first pick, the Bengals, they already like yeah, they had the issues. Technology. Yes. Anderson put that out. So it's like, are you kidding me? So, and I saw that for that mock draft, they were using real names. I was like, why? When What GM is going to like tip his hand of who he's going to pick? Like, you're telling me, like, if, if Mike Mayock, if they were doing like a mock draft, he's like 12, he's like, yeah, give me, give me CD Lamb. He's my top receiver in this class. Like, what? Why are you using real names? Why don't you use like Ken Stabler or some like, some like legend from your team for that job? I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to see because I think it starts at eight Eastern, uh, and I think, man, could we see this going to like past midnight, maybe one a.m. Like, I don't. I can Dave Gettleman stay up that late? Yeah, they they should just honestly, they should just embrace it. They should be like, you know what? We're never turning the clock off. The second round starts immediately after pick. 20 32 they're just like they're just like let's keep going you 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 just got to put in your picks so then like 24 7 we're always getting picks until the draft ends that's what i wanted yeah i mean 7 a.m we're hitting the fourth round and i'm sitting there like wow right if if it was 4 a.m and the eagles were on the clock you're damn sure i would be up for it oh of course i'm not gonna go to sleep if that's how it's happening i want to see the giants mess up picks like that's what i'm here for uh i know no doubt but I, I, that's that's one thing that's really got me i think that's more than anything that's the comedic value there's gonna be like like a realistic it's like reality TV mixed into an NFL draft for the first time ever. And just, I can't wait to see Dave Gettleman not be able to make his pick and start throwing things around his draft room. It's just really. <laughs> we need a live cam of Dave Gettleman. That's just the draft. It's just like, what's Dave Gettleman doing? I, I would honestly. Like eating instead of watching. He's got a hoagie. I, I would honestly pay just to watch him yeah. and see what he's doing. Walk around walk, walk around his uh, his office. Just, just mess around and see what he's doing. I think that would be classic television if anything and then again it's like something goes wrong what's he gonna do is he gonna start throwing a fit is he gonna yell at his uh yell, yell at the scouts he's gonna start th- throwing books around the room what's going to go on there like i need he's I, gonna start cussing out his kids when uh, <laughs> when, it's, when someone jumps up to three and takes jedrick wills from him yeah robert no like i, I just I, i'm excited to see exactly what happens um and it's not even just David Edelman, too. It's like we have other GMs in the league that are obviously uh, maybe not the most technologically inclined. They're a little bit older. I know. It's too bad John Dorsey got canned by the Browns. Yeah, Seeing it, his live cam for this would have been outstanding. Yeah, it's. I'm just curious to see like who does what, how many live cams are set up, what are we seeing. I need a reality aspect to this NFL draft because this is, this is the first and probably last time this is going to happen like this, at least for a long time, hopefully. Um, I don't know, everything's just funny to me. This is just such a weird situation, and the fact that they're gonna just gonna go with it, it, it really has me just. I, I'm on another level of, of excitement right now. I know, it should be it should be a lot of fun. So I definitely look forward to that. But uh, yeah, definitely thanks everybody for listening. Check West coming our podcast. Talk, well, we can recap the draft with Check West. Maybe maybe that's the move. Maybe he's uh he's also excited to watch the draft. He wants to see what Dave Gettleman does. So yeah, uh, I mean Check West. You know, I'm not sure what team Check West supports in the NFL. Um. But if he wants to come analyze, you know, Jonah Jackson picked in the fourth round, uh, feel free. You're very welcome. Uh, you know, I, we just, I just want to see – I need some progress here. I need Checkmaster to respond or, or say no or something. Like, you know, there's too much false hope right now. We've talked it up too just, much. Just give us an update. How are you doing, man? We, you know, if you don't want to come on the podcast right away, that's okay. Just, you know, say what's up. That's it. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you have a, a studio-quality mic and a computer that you can work with. So if you do decide, hey, yeah, I'm bored. Let's let's get it. Let's make it happen. Feel free. We would love to have you. Absolutely. So yeah, thanks everybody for watching. Enjoy the draft tomorrow. We'll definitely um, record another podcast once it's all completed to recap it all. So um, look for that. But uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening, and we will talk to you guys later. Peace. Yeah. Draft day.
Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A Wiggins. Fuck that other side, bitch. We stay winning. Oh, man. You know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you.